Amen. Amen. I know it was the blood. Shed for me. Only but the blood. Could save a wretch. Like me. Only the blood of Christ. Christ crucified. Amen. Amen. Good morning Forest Baptist. It is good to be with you. Uh, the church gathered at Forest. That's who we are. Uh, that's what God has called us to be. The local body of Christ through whom which he is moving and impacting the entire world. Establishing his kingdom. His rule and his reign. Both now and forevermore. Amen. I also like to say happy Mother's Day to each of our mothers. This day, God has gifted us with wonderful mothers. And I also want to remind you and to pour out God's grace upon you for those who are struggling. With the loss of a mother. Uh, maybe the Lord has not allowed you to have your own biological children. Uh, but that's one of the blessings of the body of Christ. They don't have to be your biological children to be your children. And if we are being faithful to our call and our mandate. We are making spiritual children each and every day. Those who we have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with. And have come to faith. And now we are leading and guiding them. To help them to understand how to live this Christian walk. Uh, but again, for, uh, for those who are struggling. Indeed, God, God promised. I, I didn't make this promise. But God promised that his grace would be sufficient for you. God promised that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nor height, nor death. No things present, no things past, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. He also promised that he would never, ever, ever place upon you more than you could bear. Christ tells us to cast our cares upon him because he is faithful unto us. Amen. And what we are in the practice of doing here at Forest Baptist Church, we, uh, we utilize the calendar, special holidays just a reminder to help set our gaze upon things that are important. So even upon this Mother's Day, may we set our gaze to uh, God's gift of women. Uh, ever since Genesis, the, the first chapter, we see that God made man in his image. Genesis, the second chapter, Adam was tasked with having dominion and ruling over his creation, but he could not do it alone. And God saw fit to give him a help meet. The woman crafted from his rear. Adam said that she is a good thing. And ever since then, God has used the gift of womanhood to be a blessing unto this world. And all throughout scripture, we see how 
the scriptures testify to the importance of women and their faith. We have a thing to uh, a thing to learn from the faith of these women throughout scripture. So upon today, I'd just like to take the opportunity to lift up one soldier of Christ in the New Testament. As we open up our Bibles, if you would please to Mark the 14th chapter. The Gospel of Mark the 14th chapter as we look on and explore and examine the life of this phenomenal woman of worship. Mark the 14th chapter will be looking at verses 1 through 14 this morning. And as we acknowledge and recognize each and every week, this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest by stealth and kill him. Talking about Jesus. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. Verse 3, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with a, an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, whenever, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. May the Lord have blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Just want to place a tag on the text before us this morning. Don't waste your worship. Don't waste your worship. If you will, please join me in your hearts in prayer. Gracious and eternal Father, our Lord and our Master, we do humbly approach your throne of grace, not in and of ourselves, not because of our own accomplishment, not because we are worthy, but we come before your mighty throne of grace right now because of the blood of Jesus. Oh, it was the blood that set us free. So, Father God, I, even as we come now, I beg that you would send forth your Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of sin, that you would lead us into all righteousness, that you would cause our hearts to tremble with fear and to adore you for you are worthy of our worship this day. Even as we esteem 
our mothers and women, Lord, we would not have them had it not been for you. Lord, we not only give thanks unto you for these gifts, we give thanks to you for you are the giver of all good gifts. And Holy Father, as we come before your mighty and majestic word, I ask that you would speak unto us, that we would hear with new eyes and new ears and new hearts, that we will be ready to receive your word with joy and gladness. May you expose our sins that we would repent and turn towards you. Father, cause us to fall deeply in love with Jesus this day. Please create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, dear God. Father, I ask that you would have mercy upon me, for I'm not worthy to preach the excellencies of Christ. For I'm weak, I am weary, in desperate need of you. So, Father, I ask that you would have your way. That you would speak for your servants are listening. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen. So even as we read this text before us here in Mark's gospel. This gospel is placed strategically in the whole gospel. For right here, the, these events are coordinated right before the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They're placed here at this juncture to emphasize that it is a king who goes to the cross for his people. This is not an ordinary man. He's not just another prophet. He's not just a good moral man. He's not just a, another rabbi. But this, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it is because of his supreme sacrifice that men, women, boys, and girls would be set free from their sin, cleansed from all iniquity. From the Apostle John's account, he places this in chronological order as opposed to this thematic Emphasis. And what we see here, Jesus is just six days out from eating his last Passover meal with his disciples. His face is now set towards Jerusalem. See, but on this particular evening, Jesus is celebrating dinner with some friends. Just as you are planning to celebrate and to have a good meal, Jesus is hanging out with some folks. And at this dinner, he they say he is in the home of Simon the leper. The scriptures don't say much about Simon the leper, but we know that in order for Jesus and the crew to be in his house, he is no longer a leper. So it is thought that this is one of, uh, one of the many individuals that Jesus has healed. He has opened up his home in gratitude for Jesus and what he has accomplished in his life. So even as they are in this home for dinner, Jesus, he's, he's joined by his disciples. And according to parallel accounts, we see that he is also joined by Lazarus, his beloved friend whom he rose from the grave, saying, Lazarus, come out. The entire gang is there. Lazarus, his sister Martha, she's busy serving. 
But then also in the text, it says that this woman came in, and we know from John's gospel in the 12th chapter that this woman is Mary. This text confirms to us what we already know about Mary. She is a worshiper. She is a woman of worship. She is a woman of devotion to Jesus. She has a deep abiding care for the Lord Jesus Christ. We, whenever Jesus shows up and Mary knows it, she's not far behind. And she is constantly at the Savior's feet. If we look at John's gospel and the Actually, Luke's gospel, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 38, we see the, a prior episode of Mary's posture towards Jesus. Luke, the 10th chapter, in verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Mary is a worshiper, and she has the knack for choosing the right things when it comes to Jesus. Here in this text, she, she's not concerned about eating dinner. She's not concerned about serving dinner. But she is concerned about being right there with Jesus. And what we actually have taking place here is not just the dinner. This is an anointing ceremony for a king. See, even though that it would be very common for a guest to be anointed with oil at a celebration... Even though that's, that's very common, when we look at this text, we, we have to see all of the messianic overtones. We have to see that Mark is shouting, Jesus is the king who has come to rescue his people and to establish his kingdom here on earth, both now and forevermore. Jesus the Christ. That's what the Messiah means, the Christ, the anointed one. He's following in the veins of Old Testament kings and priests and prophets. But what's different is he is utilizing the services of an unlikely woman. But this woman is a worshiper. And this text is about a king. But this text is also about worship of a king. See, situated here, we, have, we see this contrast of devotion. On one side, we have Mary, who is supremely devoted to Jesus. This act of humble servitude lets us know that our heart is soft and ready to hear from Jesus. But yet on the other side, we have Judas, a disciple, but his devotion is only to money. This is a contrast between authentic worship and artificial worship. This is a contrast between a worthy worship and a wasted worship. And this morning, when we, what we see here is that when Jesus is the object of your worship, your worship is never a waste. 
See, the story be begins in, in, in verse 3, and we see that Mary, Mary shows up with the best she has to offer. She shows up to Jesus with this, this alabaster flask of ointment. This would have been a, uh, a small flask with a long neck. And in order to use it, you would have had to break the neck. Uh, so you would not be, be able to keep it for a later use. But you would need to use all of it at once. She shows up with this alabaster flask. Ready to serve Jesus. But not only was this a one-time only use uh, 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 perfume. But it said it was made of pure nard. Now this particular aromatic ointment comes from a, the root of a plant found in India. Thus, it's costliness. Thus, it's preciousness. As a matter of fact, as they are objecting, they're saying, don't you know how much that stuff costs? That's 300 denarii. That's, that's a year's worth of wages. Well over 12000 This is $12,000 perfume. Now, I don't know what y'all got at home. Y'all might have some good stuff, but I don't know if it's as nice as what Mary had. And they are, they cannot believe that she has just poured this costly perfume over Jesus' head. Could you imagine spending a year's worth of money on Perfume, and then pouring that over Jesus's head. Oh, but see, see, see the love that is exuding from the text. She lavishes her love on Jesus this day. She has considered the Savior and responds appropriately. That's what worship is. Worship is when you actually consider the Savior, who Jesus is. What he has accomplished, where he has brought you from, where he has brought you to. Well, as you look back over your life and the testimony of time and time again of how Jesus has rescued you, worship is reflecting upon Jesus and responding accordingly. Responding with a heart full of gratitude. Responding with a heart filled with joy and praise. It's, it's amazing at, at times how we can show up with, with stone cold faces and stone cold hearts. Even after Jesus gave us breath this very morning. Worship is responding to the goodness of God. And she is responding by giving her very best to Jesus right at this moment. This worship is incredibly extravagant. She's willing to offer Jesus her very greatest possession as an act of humble devotion. This, this is an example of unlimited worship. That's what this is. Because the woman, she gives her all. There, there seems to be no area of her life that she is holding back from Jesus. That's unlimited worship. When you are transparent before God and you're willing to give him all that you are. All that you have. There's no holding back. Jesus, you have access to every part of my life. Does Jesus have access to your life? Are we hiding? Putting things away? Trying to use them later? No, this is unlimited worship. Because the king is fully worthy of her best. We like unlimited, don't we? 
We love unlimited. Just give me more. And when it comes to our phones, give me unlimited data. Don't put me on no data plan that restrict me. I want to be able to stream and, and text and get on Facebook. I want to be able to do it all. Don't, don't stop me. Uh, we, lo- we love unlimited access. Don't tell me what I can't do. Give me all, give me all the, 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 the benefits of membership. Don't, don't stop me. But beloved, we want, we want unlimited data. We want unlimited access. But why won't we give ourselves to Jesus in an unlimited manner? Often trying to figure out how much is enough. Holding back our worship. What if our worship was the same as Mary's? What would our lives look like if our worship was genuinely unlimited? Withholding nothing. Beloved, what would what if we worship Jesus by giving our very best effort? What if we worship Jesus by giving the best of our time, not the rest of our time? Mary's demonstration of devotion is an indictment against the way that we often approach Jesus in worship. Like I said, we, I often try to find out, well, I'm just going to do enough today, Jesus. I'm going to make sure I get my one chapter in today, Jesus. I'm going to make sure I I say a quick prayer, Jesus. But he wants us to give everything unto him and pursue him. We often give Jesus our leftovers. When When we put together our calendar, we don't mark off times for devotion. We don't mark off times for serving one another. But but I'll go to church if I ain't got nothing else to do. Oh, if we had unlimited worship. Unlimited worship, as we see here, comes from a person who is thoughtful. She knows that Jesus is in town. And, and she, I can imagine she, she's thinking, how can I demonstrate my love for Christ today? And she runs home and, and gets the very best thing that she has to offer. She, she's thinking about how to serve Jesus. We give our best when we're thoughtful. As we go throughout the week, taking time to to think about how can I serve Jesus? How can I be faithful each and every day this week? But this woman was not only thoughtful, she was deliberate. She knew exactly what she wanted to do and no one was going to stop her. She enters into this room full of men and, and, and she begins, she takes a posture around Jesus which normally was not allowed. People, uh, the, the woman would not have been seated with the men as they ate, but she was courageous. Courageous. I, I, I need to do this for Jesus. And she shows up in a deliberate manner. She's thoughtful. She's deliberate. She's courageous. When we think about our worship, can we say those very things? Beloved, don't waste your worship by holding back on Jesus. Whatever we give out to Jesus, he will restore tenfold. If we give our times to Jesus, he he will give you more time. It's amazing how even throughout my week, I look at my calendar and, 
And I get anxious about all the things that need to be done. But I say, Lord, just help me to be faithful. And when I look back over the weekends, the times where I thought I didn't have enough time, the Lord just kind of makes a way. Don't hold back financially to Jesus. Thinking that I have to hold on to my money in order to make it. Don't you know? That when we give freely unto Jesus and his people, he freely gives unto us. It is so satisfying being able to live with an open hand before the Lord. Don't waste your worship holding back on Jesus. But even as we see this unlimited worship, we see some skeptics. In verse 4, the text begins to say that they see this and they are indignant. They're angry. What in the? Why would you waste that? We could have used that for something else. So they are angry at the woman. And they say that was a complete waste of time. We could have sold that and, and given the money to the poor. Now, in John, the 12th chapter, we see that the they is primarily Judas. And that Judas, he, he really didn't have a concern for the poor. But Judas had a concern for his own bank account. Judas was a disciple who, who kept the money bag. And the text says that he would often take liberties with the money bag. So he, he really doesn't care about the poor. But they're so offended that she would use the, her resources. She would sacrificially give to Jesus like this. And they begin to scold her. You know, sometimes in our own lives. When we are sacrificial for Jesus, giving him our time, giving him our talents, giving him our treasures. Sometimes those folks in your life that say, it don't take all that. Why are, you, why are you always at the church? Why are you always reading your Bible? Why, why are you spending your money on the things of God? It don't, it don't take all that. And that's what they're saying. It don't take all that to worship Jesus. This text really shows us that even those close to Jesus often settle in their worship. Because in their eyes, what Mary had done cost too much. It cost too much. The, the, the price tag was too high. They wasn't willing to go that far for Jesus. They, they were cool and comfortable. They were able just to be side by side with Jesus using his name as a trademark to get some favors and get some fame. They were, they were cool with that, but they wasn't really, Judas wasn't really ready to sacrifice. But the other side of the coin is this. Not only does he have a, uh, a thing against how much she spends, but in all, in all actuality, they really have a problem because they value Jesus so low. What do they say? This is a waste. They have, she has poured this oil over Jesus' head and not, by, by looking at the situation, they, they have determined that Jesus was not worthy enough to have all that poured on him. Jesus was not valuable enough. Don't you know that he's just a man? Don't you know? But she does it anyway. She gives her best in worship. Think about it. If the complaint is really about money being wasted, Yet in their very presence is the one whom through all things were made that were made. 
They complaining about resources. Jesus is the ultimate resourcer. This is the one whom David says in 1 Chronicles, the 29th chapter, and the 11th verse. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. This is the Christ. In Revelation, he spoke of, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For by your hand all things were created, and they exist and were created by you. This, the, the very one that all of creation has come into the world, sitting in the room, and they're worried about money. They're missing the fact that Jesus is worthy of their worship. They forget who's in the building. They, in their walk and following Christ, they have gotten to the point where they're taking Jesus for granted. Have you ever been taken for granted in your life? You know what it feels like when, when all of a sudden that favor you've been doing for everyone else becomes an expectation. Like you told them, okay, yeah, I'm going to help you out this time. I'm going to give you a ride this time. I'm going to give you some money this time. I'm, I'm going to do it this time. And all of a sudden, because you, you, you're trying to be helpful, that person begins to expect that you're supposed to. And let you not show up one day with, with what they need. They, they're angry. Ah, How often do we do that in our Christian lives? When Jesus is not doing backflips and, and blessing us like we think we, we deserve to be blessed, we all of a sudden take for granted the fact that he kept you last night. We take for granted the fact that he's the one who put food on your table. He's the one who has put clothes on your back. He's the one who has went to Calvary's cross to accomplish the feat that you could not accomplish. May we never take Jesus for granted. Mary doesn't take Jesus for granted. See, extraordinary worship takes place when you begin to look at life through the light of Jesus Christ. When we begin to see everything that God has done for us, when we see how great of salvation we have through Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden we can stop taking Jesus for granted and esteem him for the king that he really is. Don't waste your worship by taking Jesus for granted. Even as we move through the text and we see that Mary, she, she is a worshiper, but Judas, he has this fake and false, this inauthentic worship. What does Jesus say? In verse 6, Jesus responds to this extraordinary worship. He says, leave her alone. Don't, don't bother her worship. Don't you know that this is a, a beautiful thing that she has done? Look, look, Jesus calls wonderful what they just call waste. Don't you know that she has done a beautiful thing for me? Understand that the poor will always be with you. Why did Jesus say this? He's not saying that don't worry about the poor. He's trying to help them get their priorities in order. They can, they can get so caught up in, in, in religious tradition and giving alms and, and, and trying to be outwardly holy instead of being 
inwardly focused. So they be so he he said the, the poor will always be with you, but you will not always have me. You will not always have the opportunity to worship me. So if your mind is set on anything other than me, you're about to miss out. Because if, if I am not the focus of your worship, you will eventually be eternally separated from me. You will not have me. And then he acknowledges and affirms her worship by saying that wherever the gospel is proclaimed, in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Even the fact that this text is in the scriptures and the fact that we're talking about it now, Jesus has prophetically spoken. Wherever the gospel is preached, what she has accomplished will be made much of. So Jesus, he, he affirms Mary's extravagant worship by interceding on her behalf. He, he affirms her, 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 her priorities by sticking up and standing up for her. Out of everyone in the room, only Mary has her priorities in order. Beloved, Jesus wants your worship and not your work. Your work means nothing if your heart ain't right. We can show up and do things and act like we love the Lord, but if my heart's motivation is not uh, one of worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then nothing matters and I have just wasted my time. Another way we can waste our worship is when we're more concerned with being moral than holy. Because moralism says you need to look a certain way, talk a certain way, so they won't say nothing about you. So you won't get into trouble. But you can be moral and still end up in hell because your moralism is focused on yourself, whereas salvation is based upon Jesus Christ himself. Does Jesus have your heart today? Don't waste your worship on yourself. Lastly, in this text, Judas is upset. He didn't get what he wanted from Jesus. He wanted that money. So what does he do? He leaves. He's about to make a plan of his own. And he goes to the chief priests. And he promises to sell out Jesus. Judas is so upset with Jesus. He's in his feelings, but, but this, this is dangerous. He had plans and Jesus is not cooperating. Judas is all about money and power. So he makes this deal to set up Jesus and he does it for 30 pieces of silver. You know, in Exodus, the 21st chapter, 30 pieces of silver was what you gave when a slave was accidentally gored by an ox. See, the warning here for us is that you can be real close to Jesus, even work in the church, and still be lost. The text remind us, reminds us that we can be so close, but yet so far away. A text like this is simple in the fact that she gave her all. And her worship would not be wasted. Why? Because Jesus' story becomes her story. 
wherever the gospel is preached, she will be lifted up because of her faith. And now her narrative is tied to Jesus Christ. And, and only when we have an authentic, extraordinary worship will our story be tied to Jesus. It's simple. Don't, don't waste your worship by holding back on Jesus. Don't waste your worship by taking Jesus for granted. Don't waste your worship by worshiping yourself. The question, how authentic is your worship today? How authentic is your worship? If pressed, if prodded, does Jesus have access to every aspect and area of your life? Or do we continue to harbor sin? Do we continue to hold back where God wants us to be generous? Do we think it costs too much to give time and energy unto God? Prayerfully not, and we will heed this example. That we will heed the scriptures and we will be unlimited in our worship today. Don't waste your worship by holding back on Jesus. Don't waste your worship by taking Jesus for granted. Don't waste your worship on yourself. But most of all, don't waste your worship by leaving here today without acknowledging the king. See, beloved, you can show up to church Sunday after Sunday. You can go to Bible study after Bible study. And you can be just like Judas. You can be so close to the king, but not really know him for sure. And what the Bible tells us is that only when a person repents of their sin, when they, when they, when they acknowledge that God knows what he's talking about, and they agree with him about how he feels about sin, and, and when that, and that burden breaks their heart, and turns them from living for themselves to living for Christ. It is only then is your worship for real. Only when we submit and surrender our entire lives to Jesus Christ will we be saved. Don't waste today. Don't waste this Mother's Day. Don't waste your worship by living for yourself. Don't waste your worship by ignoring the call of Christ. And don't waste your worship by not surrendering all to Jesus. So even as we reflect upon life of, of Mary, will you be a genuine worshiper of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, you're faithful. You're good and you're kind. Father, you give us a simple word on what it means to be a worshiper. So, Father, before we leave even today, I ask that you would please cause us to worship you in spirit and in truth. That we would surrender our lives wholly to thee. May you overwhelm us with your presence. May you overwhelm us with your goodness. And may you overwhelm us with grace that we would serve the Savior above all. 
Lord, we ask that your blessings will be upon us the rest of this day. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. The call is simple. The doors of the church are now open. If you are here today and you know that you are not following Jesus, you know that you are not a worshiper of Him, you can come and we can show you from the scriptures of what must you do to be saved. 